0: All right, hey, good morning, Three Circle Church. Great to have you guys with us today as we kick off a brand new series and all of our campuses joining us right now. We have Daphne, Midtown, Mobile, Thomasville, and Online. So let's just welcome all of our campuses right now. We are one church in many locations. Thank you guys for being with us today. Now, I want to start by asking forgiveness from you guys because uh, we have all kinds of stuff going around this time of year, and uh, my voice today sounds like I swallowed, I don't know, a mixture of gravel and sandpaper, you know what I mean? How many of you are dealing with some stuff too? Yep, it's going around a little bit. So, uh, I'm going to be preaching with a recola in my mouth. Now, we are not a production here, we're a church, so I know you're going to be okay with that, but every now and then you're going to hear it rattling around on my teeth, and you just, you just see that as a nice creative element to the service. Today, All right, it's just a real nice thing and I just wanted to bless you with that today. Okay, but if I don't do that I'm not going to survive and one of you guys are going to have to do this and uh, so let's just let's just roll with the Recola. y'all good with that. All right, so let's dive in today man We are talking about this incredible character from the Bible And when I was a kid growing up in church, and I'm so grateful. I did get to grow up in church one of my favorite characters was Elijah Elijah walks off the pages, walks into history just on fire, literally it feels like, right? This man, the the events of his life are so amazing. And I've looked forward to doing a series on him for a long time. And so we're going to dive into him today. Now to understand a character, a few things I want to tell you. First of all, our goal during this series is not to learn about Elijah. That is the secondary goal. The primary goal is to see Jesus in the gospel through the life of Elijah. And that would be kind of our rubric, if you will, of how we approach the scriptures at Three Circle. The whole Bible points to Jesus, including Elijah, in the events of his life. That's why his story is in the Bible, to point us to Christ. And Elijah does point to Jesus. And his life does point to the gospel. So that that is very important for us to understand. We will learn about God by looking at how... Elijah interacted with God and how God interacted with Elijah. So that is very important for us to understand. Also, it's important to understand that to to study a character in the scriptures, you have to understand their context. And so before we dive into Elijah today, I want to tell you a little bit about the context. So Elijah is going to be a prophet in the northern kingdom of Israel. Now we've talked about this a lot, but Israel was all together, and then it split because of bad leadership. There became a southern kingdom and a northern kingdom. So the country split, made them more vulnerable. Then they have two sets of kings going on, right? Right. And in the northern kingdom, Israel, is where Elijah is going to show up. And the reason Elijah has to step in as a prophet and confront what's going on is because of a very evil king, and his name is Ahab. Okay, Maybe you've been around church or the Bible long enough to remember who Ahab is. But let me tell you, Ahab, to condense his story, I could tell you so much more, was a horrific king. In fact, the Bible says, you go look it up in 1 Kings the Bible says no king had ever intentionally done more to anger and provoke the living God than Ahab. I wouldn't want to be him, would you? No king, and there have been some bad ones, had ever gotten close to being as wicked as this guy. And the, the biggest thing out of many things that he did is he married a person who he should have never married. And not only did he marry this woman named Jezebel, but because he was actually a weak leader and not strong at all, not willing to lead his country nor his home, he was not a leader, he brought in a leader. He married a leader. His wife Jezebel steamrolled right over him and took the reins really of leadership of the kingdom. Now Jezebel was the daughter of the king of a city called Sidon, one of the most wicked cities in the the world at that time and Sidon was a Baal worshiping country and city and so when she moved in with Ahab he should have never married her that broke God's rules right out of the gate she looks at Ahab and says hey we're not doing this Jehovah thing y'all do anymore if if I'm your wife we're worshiping Baal you know what Ahab did instead of leading her instead of saying no we're not doing that he said yes sure yes ma'am whatever you say Jezebel and you know what he began with her to lead the entire country to worship Baal. He went so far, he he began construction projects at her behest to build temples in the city of Samaria. He built a temple to Baal. And not only that, he allowed Jezebel to hunt down the prophets of Jehovah, all the godly leaders in the country, and she began to murder them. In fact, you ever heard the name Obadiah? He wrote part of the Old Testament. He had to hide as many of these godly leaders as he could in a cave, a hundred of them. And he, he still couldn't protect them from Jezebel. So she's a murderer. She's, she's turning the whole country. And, and, and guess what? They follow her. They follow their lead. Because leadership matters. Don't ever forget that. Leadership in your home matters. Leadership in a local church matters. And the leadership of Israel was taking them down a horrible road. And in is going to step Elijah. Elijah. Now, Elijah is going to burst onto the scene now. So all that's going on, and God always raises up leaders, courageous people to step in and say, hey, this is wrong. And that man is going to be Elijah. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to do something different today. I want everybody to get out your pen. And at all of our campuses, get out your pen. And with your hand out there. And if you're online joining us, I want you to just grab a piece of paper wherever you can, or you can type it. There's a feature there where you can type, I'm sure. And we're actually going to write out. Today we're going to look at one verse. One verse that tells you so much about Elijah. One verse. It's the introductory verse to this epic life. And you are going to see it's going to teach you so much. But we're going to actually write it out. We didn't put it in your handout. We want you to write it down. Because we know when you write something down. This is old school, man. When you write it down, you remember it. You ready? They're going to put it up on the screen. It's 1 Kings 17 and 1. And I literally want you to write the verse out. I'll read it while you write it. Here is our introduction. Now, Elijah... The Tishbite of Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. I just want you to write that verse out because I, I want it etched into your heart and your mind who this man is. And we're going to take a look at this verse and we're going to see just what this verse teaches us about him. They're going to leave it up for a while. Now, Elijah the Tishbite of Tishbe and Gilead said to Ahab, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. Now, let's dive into what this has to say to us. First of all, it doesn't tell us anything about Elijah and the Bible doesn't give you anything else about his previous life. But this verse, when you step onto the scene, when you risk your life, I want you to understand, he's unknown, he steps into the palace and risks his life. Jezebel's already killing everyone she can who says they serve the living God. Elijah risked his life to confront this situation. He will not stay quiet. He risked everything he has to confront this issue. That's important for you to understand about him. Now let me talk just for a moment about football. And I'm going to help you understand Elijah. All right, so four years ago, <clears throat> an unknown, I mean, people had heard about him, but he hadn't gotten to play all year. Alabama ends up in a national championship game in the first half against Georgia. Jalen Hurts was playing awful, and we were losing the game. And at halftime, Nick Saban, if you're, not, if you're an Auburn fan, it's okay. I love Auburn too, so we're just talking, talking football for a It's going to help you understand. Nick Saban decided, I'm going to put this, un, this guy that no one knows, but I know him, I'm going to put him in. And Tua Tunga Viola goes into the game, and, and the world sees this incredible kid playing football. And at the end of the game, if you remember, he gets sacked and everyone thinks, oh, the game's over. And then in overtime, Tua Tunga Viola loads up left-handed and throws this bomb. A lot of people say it's the greatest pass in championship football history. And they win the championship. Now, in that moment, I didn't know Tua Tunga Viola. I, I didn't know anything about his pass. I would learn more about him. I hadn't studied up on Tua. But here's what I knew watching the second half of that game. When I got done watching that game, I thought to myself, that kid has been preparing for that moment his whole life. Like whatever you believe about football teams and all that, that young man had been working his whole life for that moment. And when he got that moment, you realize that, that's not the first time that kid picked up a football, right? That's not the first time that kid threw a pass. That's not the first time that young man has ever looked at a defense. That kid's been doing that a long time. He was ready for that moment. Now, fast or really go backtrack into ancient times. When you look at a man step in front of a king and talk like that, he didn't just fall off the back of the turnip truck, y'all. Like this guy's been doing something. He's been preparing Something's been going on in this guy's life to get him to that point. And the words Elijah uses and the confidence he speaks with tells you this man's got something going on. Are you with me, church? You know, you don't have to know everything, but you know <clears throat> this guy, not a normal dude. This guy's been preparing for this moment. And this moment tells you so much. First of all, I want you to see that he is confronting and risking his life against this godless king and his wife, Jezebel, Jezebel. But we learn some really big things about him. And the one thing we see is the idea of this series that Elijah is epic in every way. His life is unbelievable. Yet what you're going to find, and you have to remember about him, is that he's a normal guy. And you're going to see Elijah react in ways that you and I react to stuff. I don't want to turn... It would, it would delude him for us. It would delude him. It would... Uh, It it would take away from him for you to remove his humanity. Don't turn him into an Avenger. This isn't a movie. He's not Thor. He doesn't have superpowers. He's a man. He's a dude. He's breathing real oxygen. He's just like you and me, and I'm going to prove that to you before this sermon is over. So, (coughs) as we look at his life, I want you to remember that you and I can experience this epic nature in our lives as well. Elijah is what it looks like when a man surrenders his life to an extraordinary God. When a normal human puts their normal little life in the hands of an extraordinary God, amazing things happen. So what do we learn about Elijah today? Well, a few things, and this is what I want you to get. You need to adopt all of these things we learn in verse one about Elijah. They are crucial to the life of every believer. These things, these four things we're gonna learn from verse one about Elijah. And what's the first thing we learn about him? This, Elijah had a biblical view of God. The first thing we learn about Elijah right out of the gate is that he had a biblical theology, if you will. Theology means the study of God. (coughs) He had a biblical view of that. He wasn't getting his information from someone else, he got it directly from God. He clearly had studied the scriptures. And he believed rightly about God. A.W. Tozer, great writer, says this about what we believe about God. He says the most important thing about a human is what they think when they think about God. And we have all kinds of ideas in our culture. If you let them feed into your thinking about God, that could be detrimental to you. It is very important that you think, think rightly about God. Understand here at Three Circle, our goal is not to entertain, our goal is not to just be creative, for you to leave going, my church is awesome, and and all that stuff. No, man, our life goal and our ministry here is to introduce you and to connect you to God, and for you to rightly think about him, and for you to correctly think about him, because I believe he is worthy of that. I believe he is worthy for all of us to get to know, right? So, yeah, amen, church. So then... Elijah obviously has spent his life up to this point getting to know God. Because in a culture that has turned away from the living God and has turned to a false god, Baal, the whole country is worshiping Baal now. Elijah has has not done that. He has stayed true to the living God and he says things about the living God that are right. And the first thing we see here, listen to what he says. He says, as the Lord... The God of Israel lives before I stand. Right out of the gate, you see correct theology about God. He believes God is sovereign. He believes God is alive. And he believes God is personal. That is important. Elijah's theology about God is that he believes he is sovereign. He's the Lord. He believes he is alive. He is vibrant. He's a person. And he believes he is personal. He's standing before him. Now, let's just talk about that statement for a moment. Remember who he's standing in front of. He's standing in front of Ahab and Jezebel. They don't believe in this living God anymore. They now have little temples and little idols of of Baal that they're worshiping. And Baal was a God that the people of Sidon believed controlled the weather patterns. And back then, you understand, weather patterns back then would be like your iPhone now. It runs the world. Okay, you don't worry about the weather as much now. Back then, the weather made the crops and the crops fed you. The crops back then were Publix and, uh, you know, Winn-Dixie and Piggly Wiggly. They didn't have those back then, so they needed crops. And for the crops to grow, you needed rain. So whatever controlled all of that was the power. And Baal was the rain god. Baal was the one that did that. And so when Elijah stands before them, he reminds them of what he believes. The first thing he says is, I serve, I am standing in front of you, and he says, as the Lord, the Lord. Listen to that. One. He doesn't say, I serve a God. He doesn't take God, his God, and put him alongside of Baal and all the other false gods of the world. He doesn't say, I serve one of the gods of this world. He says, no, no, I serve the God, and he is Lord, which means he's over all things. Elijah understood he was over all things. Notice Elijah doesn't introduce himself. The scriptures does that. Elijah isn't there to make a name for himself. He doesn't walk in and go, man, I'm a bad man. Don't mess with me. He doesn't do that. He doesn't tell anyone his name. He just walks in. The Bible does tell us what he looks like. He, he has such a distinct appearance. There's one description of him in the Old Testament. And it talks about the fact that he had a leather hide that he wore with a belt around it. And his hair was a little crazy. Remind you of anybody? John the Baptist. And when John the Baptist came on the scene, you're going to learn that Elijah didn't die. That's a whole story we'll tell at the end of his life. Everybody thought, he's back. Because John the Baptist looked exactly like him and sounded like him and didn't comb his hair kind of like Elijah. So Elijah steps on the scene and it's not about him. He comes in, he looks at the king and he says, you don't know who I am. Doesn't matter. Let me tell you who I serve the one and only God and he is sovereign that means you're not you understand he is standing before ultimate power on earth Ahab he can kill people and he says you're not the ultimate power you're not the Lord you're not the king and really God is the king do you hear how powerful that is very remnant how does he point to Jesus because Jesus stood before Pilate Jesus dripping with blood. His body is torn to pieces. Pilate says, don't you know I have the power to crucify you? And Jesus says, you have no power over me. You have no power over me. You're not God. And you know, all power needs to be reminded of that. That they're not the ultimate power. The next thing that I think is beautiful about Elijah's theology is he says not only... Am I here representing the Lord? But he says, he is alive. He says, as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives. That's that next piece. He believed that God was a living God. And do you know, I think sometimes we as Christians, we believe that theologically, but do we live like God is alive? Because if God is alive, then we would pray to him. And if God is alive, we would seek to get to know him. More and more and more. Can I tell you, one of the greatest lifelong pursuits for every person in this room and joining us at our campuses would be for you to spend your life knowing God more and more and more and more. Read more books about him. Study the word about him. Put your energy into it. Let me ask you, how much energy have you put into just getting to really know who God is? Really knowing Not just asking him to bless you and give to you and open this door and close that door. No, just getting to know who he is. Getting to know who he is. It's a lifelong pursuit. There's that much for you to know. Elijah obviously had spent a lot of time getting to know God and he said he is alive. It reminds me of this verse, Psalm 135, 15 through 19. Listen to these words from Scripture. The idols of the nations are silver and gold, the work of human hands. Look, this is a total contrast to our living God. They have mouths, but they do not speak. They have eyes, but they do not see. They have ears, but they do not hear. Nor is there any breath in their mouths. And watch this. Those who make them become like them. So do all who trust in them. O house of Israel, bless the Lord. O house of Aaron, bless the Lord. Why does does David start this psalm talking about how bad idols are, but just suddenly he goes, bless the Lord. Because the writer of Psalms, as he's writing about dead religion and dead idols and things that can't give you life and things that can't help you, when his thoughts turn from that to the brilliance and wonder of a living God, he can't do anything but say, worship the living God who breathes who sees, who hears, who is active, who stepped into human flesh for us as humans. Church, we have a living God and he's not a statue and he's not just a name or an idea. He is alive and he's our God and we can know him and serve him. That's what we're talking about today. That's who Elijah is. So Elijah looks at Ahab and he says, we don't have a dead God. We have a living God. He's alive. You can know him, you can hear him, you can talk to him, you can feel his presence. He's not a statue sitting in the back of a false temple. He's alive. And he's personal. He says, in this God, I stand before him. And I'm sure Ahab's thinking, no, you're not, Elijah. You're standing before me. But Elijah looks at him and says, I'm not even standing in front of you. You're not my authority. That's what he's saying. He's saying, I know I'm physically standing in front of you and your wicked wife. But I stand before God. He's my authority. He's my power. He's who I answer to. I want to remind you as Christians today, living in a world that we live in, that at the end of the day, you ultimately answer to the living God. That's who we answer to. That's who we will stand before. And Elijah understands that he stands before that God, not Ahab. Not Jezebel, not the opinions of the world, but the living God. That's who He is. And we need to adopt a right view of God, church. We need, what do you think about when you think about God? Do you think of a cosmic police officer that's just up there ready to whack you on the head with his stick every time you mess up? Is that your thoughts of God? It's not going to be helpful. It's not the biblical view. See, God's told us who He is in His Word. When you think of God, do you think of maybe a sweet old grandpa? sitting up in heaven, just waiting for his kids to grab his beard and pull on it a little bit and he give you a toy, maybe some candy or some money. Do y'all like my old man accent I'm doing here? <laughs> old man, Rip Van Winkle, you know, I don't know. Is that who you think God is? Just a sweet old guy and if you just sit in his lap and tell Paul you need something, he'll give it to you. The bless me God, the genie in the bottle God, He's just there to give us good things, give you good things, very benevolent. Elijah obliterates that idea. Elijah said, no, 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 no. He's the living God. What do you think about when you think about God? If you think about him, it needs to be true what we think about him. So the next thing we learn about Elijah, is not only does this one verse tell us what he believes about God, that he's sovereign, he's alive, and he's personal, he also has a biblical view of himself. He has a biblical view of himself. He's not the center of the story. He does not even introduce himself. His name's not important. His background's not important. It's all about God. And he believes three things about himself that are clear in this verse that we need to adopt as well. Elijah says, Basically, in this verse, that he is a servant, he is a messenger, and he's a worshiper. He's a servant, he's a messenger, and a worshiper. He does not serve King Ahab. Ultimately, he serves God. He says, I stand before the living God. He worships God by contrasting him against the the false god of Baal, who is dead, who's not even real. He says, my God's alive. He's a worshiper. And clearly, he is a messenger. He is here speaking on this God's behalf. Folks, we should be all three things. We are in a world where we're going to have to speak up. Great quote says that the greatest evil happens when good men do and say nothing. Folks, it is time for Christians not to become militant, not all of that. Not to throw out one more scathing, uneducated, and unthoughtful thing on Facebook. Please, Lord, help us stop. No, to be thoughtful and talk to people. And be vibrant and joyful in your faith. And truthful in what you speak about God. Elijah saw himself as a servant of God. He says, I stand before the living God. Do you see yourself as a servant? One great old adage says this. People love to to be a servant until someone treats them like one. People love the idea of servanthood until someone treats them like they're a servant. Do you really want to serve God? Do you see yourself serving God? Do you want to do what he wants you to do? Do you want to seek his will in the earth? What is your priority? Elijah saw himself as a servant, so much so that he was willing to risk his life. His life could have ended in that moment. He also saw himself as that messenger, speaking on God's behalf, speaking into a situation. Let me ask you, are you willing to do that? Or do you just sit back and go, hmm, that's tough? At your office, at your school, in your home? Do you speak into situations with grace and truth, with love? Do you do that? Elijah was willing to. He was willing to stand when no one else would for the truth. And he was a worshiper. One of the greatest forms of worship, as much as I love everything we did today, music is very important. It is part of worship. But another form of great worship of God is to think and speak rightly about him. That is very good. That really lifts him up. When you think, and you do know you can worship God internally just by thinking rightly about him, by having a high view of him. Do not let this world water down who God is for you. Don't let modern Christianity in some of its ways water it down for you. This idea of God just being your BFF, Okay, he, yes, he is your friend. Don't forget he's also God in heaven overall. Don't forget who God is. It steals the wonder and the power of it. Don't do that. And the beauty of it. We were made to know this true and living God. Elijah had a biblical view of himself, which leads to humility. How do you see yourself? Do you see yourself as the star of a movie and everyone else around you is just your supporting cast? I think that's the way a lot of us see life. You're the star. Everything's about you. And if you got married, well, you just added another cast member to your movie. They're there to be your supporting actor. You'll give them an Oscar for supporting actor or actress. When you had kids, they were just there to kind of be a part of your story, right? And, and when you see life that like that, when you're the center of the story, God is also a supporting cast member to your story, because then God becomes the one who needs to bless you along your journey. And give you what you need along your journey. And give you success on your journey and comfort on your journey. When you're the center of the story, everything else is supporting you. <clears throat> but let me help everyone in here. You and I, not the center of the story. You were not made to be the center of the story. And when you do keep yourself in the center of the story, when you live like that, and which is a selfish way to live, you miss the joy of not being the center of the story and making Jesus the center. And Elijah shows us how to do that. The guy doesn't even introduce himself. He doesn't walk in with swagger. That's that's a word in our culture, right? That guy's got swagger, man. Look at that swagger on that guy. What is swagger anyway? I don't know what that is. I know when I walk around my house with swagger, my wife knows how to point it out and tell me to stop. You know what I mean? you're not as cool as you think you are (laughs) Elijah doesn't have swagger he's very humble he doesn't even introduce himself it's all about God it's like as quickly as he can it's about God this is who Elijah is risking his life James 4.10 says humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you Elijah's never going to exalt himself but God does and we're still talking about him to this day in Jesus' day they were talking about him They thought maybe John the Baptist was Elijah. Then they thought Jesus maybe was Elijah. The Bible tells us in the book of Revelation, Elijah's still going to be coming around. Elijah's going to be around. God has exalted Elijah in many ways, but he never exalted himself. It just wasn't about him. Oh, that we would live that way in our own lives. And then finally, Elijah had a biblical view of prayer. This is important. Elijah had a biblical view of prayer. And what he teaches us is that prayer should be rooted in the word. It should be flowing from relationship and focused on God's glory. That's what we see with Elijah. Because what Elijah says is astounding. He looks at Ahab and he looks at Jezebel. And remember, I've told you how important rain is. He looks at them and says, Here's what's about to happen it's not going to rain around here for years which equal, it equals famine. In that world, in the agricultural world, if it didn't rain for a year more, it was famine. And they knew that, and they were terrified of it. He walks in and he says, it's not going to rain around here for a few years unless I say. He's not, be, he's not being arrogant there. God has given him this authority. He says, that's how that's going to roll. And you understand, that would have been a massive threat. And again, he's putting his credibility on the line. And now, let me help you understand how Elijah teaches us that he understands biblical prayer. Because most of us think that Elijah just walked in and said, you know what, it's not going to rain around here anymore. I'll get you guys, it's not going to rain. But that is not what happened. Because what I want to teach you today is that real prayers, we end today. True, effective prayer is always tied to the word of God. And Elijah is going to ask God to shut up the heavens, and he's going to shut the heavens. And it's not because Elijah had power. (coughs) Excuse me, it's not because Elijah had great faith. More faith than the next guy. Listen, and it's something you and I can learn. It's because Elijah had immersed his life in the word of God, and he knew what to say to Ahab because the Bible had already said what he was saying to Ahab. Let me show you. This was not random. He didn't pick this out of his brain to bring a famine of no rain. God had already promised he would do it. Look at Deuteronomy eleven sixteen 16, and 17. God is talking to his people. His people who are going to be these Israelites that Ahab is ruling over. And he warns them. Look what he says. Take care. This Deuteronomy. Take care lest your heart be deceived. Which is exactly what Ahab did to the people. Deceives them. And you turn aside and serve other gods. So watch out that this doesn't happen. If you turn aside and serve the other gods and worship them. Then the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you. Watch this. And he will shut up the heavens so that there will be no rain. And the land will yield no fruit. And you will perish quickly off the good land that the Lord is giving you. Elijah was a Bible guy. And Elijah had immersed his life in the word of God. And he knew what God said would happen if the people turned away from him and worshiped false gods. Elijah is not being random at all. Elijah is making statements and praying a prayer based on God's word. And you know what the Bible says about that? Listen to what 1 John John 5.14, I'm just going to read it for you. Listen to what it says. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. Prayer. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. Now, how do I know that God's going to answer my prayer when I pray it? If my prayer is rooted in the word of God. Let me tell you something the Bible does not say. The Bible does not say every time I get sick, God will heal me. It does not. But what it does say is it says that I should pray according to this. It says I should pray for his will to be done in my life. It does say that he'll work all things for my good and his glory if I'll just pray. It does say for me not to be anxious and pray. And when I find things that God has said, I can stand on his word. And that's what Elijah did. Elijah walked into the courts of Ahab and he said, I know what God has said he will do and that's why I'm about to tell you this. You've led our country to worship a false God. God promised He would make it not rain. So I'm telling you, here's what's about to go down it's not going to rain. And it didn't rain for three years. And the ground stopped growing stuff. And the people were starving. And Ahab's horses are dying. And when the horses die, they can't protect themselves against armies. It got real bad. But a lot of us, I think, believe that, that, that Elijah just randomly said, here's what we're going to do. No, no, no. It was all based in God's word. And, and I, I want to say this to you as believers. One of the biggest ways to mature your prayer life is to move from a bless me, help me, be with me prayer life to a, I immerse myself in God's word and I pray God's word. I pray according to his will, which is revealed in his word. I tether, I love that word because it makes me sound smarter than I am, tether, you know? I I could just tie it to, but tether, it almost sounds British, you know what I mean? Tether your prayer life to the word. Too many of us, our prayer lives are unmoored. They just float around, just not tied to anything. But when we tie our prayer life to scripture, now that changes everything, church. And these are things we need to adopt. wasn't random at all. Now listen to what the book of James says in closing today about Elijah. This is the New Testament. Years and years later, after the resurrection, James wants you to know how powerful prayer is. And guess who he uses as an example? You guessed it. Elijah. Look what he says. Therefore confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah... Watch this, was a man with a nature just like ours. And he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. So when James tells us, if you want to know what effective prayer looks like, prayer that rocks the world, look at Elijah. It was immersed in the word of God. It was tethered to truth. And and so today we learn these important things about Elijah, but there was one last one, we just learned it. This may be the most encouraging one of all as we close. Elijah was a human just like us. Did you hear what James says? He says, Elijah was a human, a man with a nature just like us. That means he got tired. He was scared. He got fearful. He wasn't an Avenger. He wasn't Captain America, y'all. Just a normal dude. Just like you. And today, if you'll adopt these practices from Elijah, from this one verse, you too, I believe can live an epic life. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for your word today. As we are introduced to Elijah, use his story and his life to change us, to impact us forever, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.